you know, initially it was natural hair, all natural hair. And it's like, well, that's not how we show up. You might see me tomorrow and my hair is down to my waist because I got extensions. That's okay. Because guess what? I'm making the choice, right? I'm saying this is how I feel today. This is how I want to express myself creatively. It's not being driven by society saying I can't do this. That's one of the things we just keep toggling back to. What is it that we're trying to do? And it's provide a space, provide a space for a historically underrepresented community. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll find out how an idea can really start anywhere, even in a group email chain. And we'll learn how something you're passionate about might be something 30,000 other people are passionate about too. Hi, I'm John Petrolos, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. And this week's idea is the Curly Girl Collective. We'll speak with co-founder and creative director, Melody Henderson, and discover how they're building a global community that educates, celebrates, and connects women of color with naturally curly hair. Our interviewer is Gray's Global Strategy Director, Holly Williams, who talks to Melody about what inspired her and her friends to create their collective. Founded in 2011, Curly Girl Collective began as a 30-person email chain with friends and acquaintances discussing natural beauty hairstyles for women of color. Eventually, the group met up in person, and the energy in the room inspired their collective and the largest natural beauty festival in the world, Curlfest. This is Melody Henderson. So Curly Girl Collective is is a business. Um, it's a small business that myself and four friends uh, created. And essentially, it's an event-based business, and we throw um, an event called Curlfest. We're founders of Curlfest, which is the world's largest natural beauty festival. And it's a space that um, we created for women of color, largely women of color, to come together and just be celebrated, educated, on um, just kind of how they walk through life a bit. Was it Curly Girl Collective to start? Was it Curlfest to start? Uh, good question, good question. Well, yeah, I'll try to truncate the story. <laughs> but essentially, it, it all really started when I decided to stop chemically treating my hair. So just a little bit of backstory, a lot of women of color um, straighten their hair process it, chemicals to make it bone straight versus in its natural curly state. So I had gone through that process, which in that in of itself could be a whole segment. <laughs> and at the time, the place I was working at, um, a friend of mine who now is also a business partner, she saw the day that I came in to work with my hair completely curly. And at that moment, she's like, oh, it looks so great, you know? And I, I started to tell her, well, I honestly, I haven't seen my own curly hair in so long. I don't even know how to handle it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what products. So she invited me into, at the time, it was an email chain. It wasn't even like GroupMe or uh, Gmail. It was literally like replied it all to this last email so that everyone could be in it. And it was a small circle of, I don't know, maybe like 30 women who all also had been natural natural hair. And we just talked about hair all day. Products, how you wear it to interview, what do you do with it, heat damage. And what we noticed was it was all friends of friends, and we would talk all day, and we noticed that we hadn't ever seen each other in person. 
So we decided to have, at the time, we set a meetup, right? So we had a get-together at a friend's house. And that night, I mean, it was it was one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is why human connection is important. As much as we talked throughout, like for so long, seeing each other in person, being able to say, oh, your texture is like my texture. These are the challenges I'm having. These are the discriminations I'm, that's, I'm facing. There was just this human moment that happened. And that night, a few of us didn't know how to go home. And I was one of them. <laughs> and the rest were my, my, the four founders. So the five of us from that night said, oh, this was so amazing in person. Other people probably could use this kind of um, camaraderie. And we created Curly Girl Collective. So how did it go from that night yeah. to Curly Girl Collective? Like what happened in the bit in between? Ooh, in between is a lot of hard work <laughs> and a lot of years. But I think... Um, Basically, what it became was, okay, we wanted to recreate that space, that space of fellowship, that space of a circle, a community. And our first event was quite smaller. It was about maybe 200 people or so. We rented out a a little spot in Chelsea, a studio in Chelsea. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, And people came, mostly friends of friends and, and, you know, just to support what we were doing. And what we realized is gradually, as time just started to progress, especially on social media, that's where most people were finding out about it. It got to a point, I would say over a course of maybe two or three years, where we would have these smaller events, but because our following had grown so much, it wasn't it wasn't sustainable. Like we weren't able to reach as many people because our events were so small. You had the first meetup at your friend's house and yes. you all decided like, let's turn this into a bigger scale version of exactly. this. Is that exactly what you did? And you just kind of put the word out that. So it really was just like a space that we came together at this you know, studio in Chelsea and did what we did that night in the apartment, but on a larger scale. And so fast forward, Curlfest is this Massive national <laughs> festival where you have events in what New York, Atlanta, yeah, a million places. How has the idea of Curly Girl Collective evolved over mm. the time? You know, I think um, it's it's one of the things. I think it's it's at its core, it's still the same because at its core, it was born out of just a need, a need and passion to sort of create create a space. And what we've been doing is just expanding that space um, because kind of each time we do something, you feel the lives that you're touching. Because at its surface, you think, oh, it's just hair, but it's so much bigger than that, right? It's self-identity, it's self-acceptance, it's self-love. It's really being able to show up how you are, right? Despite, in spite of um, what society may say, this is how you should be or you should not be. And a lot of times when you're dealing with um, things of that level, you need support, right? So I think when when I look at from, to, and it's funny because it's only moments like this that you even pause. Most of the time you're just going, right? So when I'm pausing and I'm thinking, about, I'm like, okay, yeah, well, 2011, you know, that was a, the big differences I think is is really we've been able to understand a bit more our purpose, right? And that what we did, which started out obviously as a need, really has a higher purpose. And I think that is the sort of the magic of kind of what we've uncovered. So talk me a little bit through what has shifted or evolved over that time, because, I mean, we're doing a bunch of these conversations and it's interesting to hear how people's ideas evolve quite a bit over time. And your idea sounds like it 
it hasn't really changed that much since inception in terms of what you set out to do and what you're doing. What has changed? What sharpened? What's evolved? Good question. Good question. Um, I think, well, well, Curlfest specifically. So when we first started, we were doing the smaller events, 200 people max. We just needed to reach more people. We we had, the five of us had a meeting and the sole meeting was how can we create an event where more people can come? So when we talk about evolution, initially Crowfest was a picnic. Like if I look back at all the marketing stuff that I created and the ads and the flyers, it said Crowfest the picnic. And um, we're like, oh, great, outdoor space. People, more people could come, right? Little did we know, of course, there's permitting and there's all kinds of restrictions, like the world cannot come to the park. <laughs> but we knew more people than a, you know, a studio in Chelsea could fit. And um, it was a leap of faith for us, though, because we're like, each time we did something, we're like, are people going to show up? Okay, we've already done this, our friends, but how many friends do you have, right? So it started to shift from being this circle of friends to um, a larger community. And But there's still that feeling of like, do people really want this? Do people really need this? So like the first Curl Fest, we had about maybe 800 to 1,000 people. You couldn't tell us it wasn't success. Like we were elated. It was, it was, it just felt so good to be able to expand in that way, right? So now you fast forward and um, this past July, uh, we had upwards of 35,000 people. That's crazy. <laughs> in, like, so, I'm so proud talking to you hearing this story. It's so cool. Yeah. What does Curl Fest look like now? Yes. So I would say the difference um, obviously is the size. But I think beyond that, I think um, what we've, everything we've done from inception really has our core customers at hand. And we always say it's interesting because we're basically creating an event for ourselves. Like we are our customer. And and then that's And you look like you're having more fun at the events than <laughs> some of the attendees. <laughs> no, I always say I wish I could actually attend. Behind the scenes it's a it's a lot, right? So I always say I wish I could see what it feels like to truly attend it. Mm. Um, because most people describe it in their words, they just say it's magic. And I think what um what we're able to do now is really realize that the environment that we've been able to foster, it has multiple tenants, right? So one, we pretty much partner with every large hair care brand that does anything for curly or textured hair. And that's been an amazing evolution. Initially, it was, you know, us cold calling, trying to figure out email, you know, <laughs> based on first, maybe first initial or last name plus company. And now brands are coming to us and saying, wait, we want a spot on the lawn. That must so feel so good. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. And mostly because, you know, when we first started, you would go into like a Ricky's or, or Dwayne Reed and there were tops two products on the shelf that had anything to do remotely with textured or curly hair or wavy hair. And now there's whole line, whole aisles filled with options and products. And, and, and it feels amazing to know that we have um, contributed to that, right? We've contributed to letting the masses know that we're here and we should be seen and we should be serviced and that there's differences, right? So I think that's one component is the sponsorship. 
Another is we also have a marketplace, and that is our way of giving back to people just like us, small businesses who are looking for a break, looking for exposure. And at Curlfest. At Curlfest, right. So that's our Curlfest marketplace. And that's usually, you know, think of, oh, the artisan jewelry or, you know, clothing that's unique that someone's doing in their living room, making it by hand. And... um The amazing part with that is if we did an audit of some of the brands, some of the early brands, they're on the shelves of Target now. Wow. And 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 a lot of them, their first exposure was our event, right? So you have this, um, we also have an empowerment stage where we talk about real, very real topics that are facing. I mean, recently, um, the Crown Act was passed, which is legislation saying that discrimination against natural hair is illegal, right? And we had a whole panel discussion about that and the very real nuances and issues that kind of as a people we're experiencing. So and then and then and then coupled with all that is honestly just a day of fun and celebration. We have a DJ, a live band, um, you know, uh, really just a, a moment for celebration and, and fellowship. And community and people and community coming together. And coming and... together, exactly. I mean, because we don't have, there's no big act at Curlfest, right? Mm-hmm. You've got 35, 40,000 people coming out literally to celebrate each other. That's it, right? There's no headliner other than the people. And I think that's part of what, um, there's always this turning point every year since we've been doing Curlfest on stage where we, where we look out into the crowd and there's just this sea of people, like-minded, all walks of life. I mean, we've got people from South Africa, from Brazil, from Paris, from the Bronx, from, you know, everywhere, all coming in together for one purpose, this one day of celebration. And I I fight back tears every single time. It never gets old. Never gets old. I'm kind of jealous that you're doing something so that's so fulfilling and meaningful and that you're so passionate about. I want to hear a little bit about um, how you guys collaborate because there's five of you. Yes. How do you how do you all work together and come up with the next idea that you're going to do? Oh, good question. I mean, I think at its core, first of all, there has to be alignment, right? There is this, we all still have this sense of passion and we've over the years have now realized we always say we kind of feel like we have a higher purpose coming along with that comes a responsibility and 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 i think we try to implement basic structure like really treat it as it is i mean it's an llc as a business but as we've kind of progressed it's like okay well people are waiting <laughs> They're waiting to see what's next. Um, and, and and there's still so much work to be done, right? Each year we're like, okay, we've made headway. You know, there's products for us. And we see ourselves in a commercial. And this article was written. But then the next you flip in, it's like this little boy's, his locks are being, his dreadlocks are being cut off on television because the the child that the child wrestler um because because it was just they were saying his locks were too long and he had to make that choice between his natural hair or the game right so you're like oh still work to be done so i think when so mo- t- cultural moments like cultural moments anchor you back in the 100% mission that you guys have anchor us around. right back you have this sense of responsibility to the people that are, I don't know, fans or followers mm-hmm. or the community that you're building and supporting. Like, how do you 
how do you think about it? I mean, we've kind of accepted sort of the call to action, I like to say. Um, we've accepted the charge. But it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work that happens on our living room floors. I mean, we don't have an office. You know what I mean? Like, we all have... Uh, most of us still have full-time um, jobs. So when you have that level of work that needs to be done and the level of responsibility, it comes along with, like, you. it has to be passion-based. It has to be something that you're so connected to on another level. It's the only way to get through it. Like, it's the only way. What did you learn in that process? Because I imagine that there were probably lots of small failures that you pivoted around. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think um, probably just making sure you can be pliable. And also, I think setting your intention. There's so many different reasons as to why you shift and change throughout our whole business. And I think, um, you know, being okay, accepting that sometimes those intentions and drives are going to be different, right? So sometimes our drive is just... Um, our, our, our fans and the community. Other times it's more business driven. It's like, okay, well, this isn't sustainable if we keep it X, Y, Z, right? And, and being okay with that, right? So I think, I think it's an interesting journey as you kind of realize that there's going to be days where you have to make really hard decisions, but you still have to, I guess, um, be confident that your your bigger goal is still the same. It's just okay now. How do we get there? What are what are what are the things we need to do? What are the things we need to shift? I think the other thing, big key is leaning on support. Support. I mean, our community. When I say so, we say it's the five of us. We're the founders, and and we essentially do the whole thing. But all of the volunteers. We'll put a post that says, like, we need volunteers to help us do name the thing, stuff the gift bags, take the tickets, help us on social. And people come in droves, wanting nothing. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Because as much as we feel like um, this is what we have to do, right, you have those moments where someone will come up to you in the crowd and... Thank you. You know, Atlanta, there was this moment where I, I made eye contact with a young woman that was in the crowd out of the sea, thousands of people. And for some reason, we synced eyes. And she was mouthing something to me. She comes forward to the stage and kneel down. And I'm like, thank you for coming, you know, over the loud music. And just not, not unlike like when you maybe... Uh, Someone, you tip the guy from who's picking up your luggage at the airport. She puts money in my hand. And I'm like, what? And, and the moment was just like, so I was so confused. I was like, I can't take this. How did it make you feel? I mean, well, I got, it made me, what well, made me feel, it caused me to take action. I got off the stage, literally in the middle of everything, just kind of dancing and having fun. I came down off the stage. I was like, this is a moment I need to understand what's happening. And in that moment, she's like, I just want to say thank you. She's like, this is all that I have on me right now, but I just want to thank you for what you're doing and how you are changing our lives. And she starts crying. I start crying. I mean, and it was just like a human, human, human moment where, you know, the mount could have been anything. It, did, it could, didn't even matter. It was the gesture. And it was, again, those, like, pockets where 
all the work and the sleepless nights and all the, you're like this is why we're doing it this right. is why a symbol of the impact that you're having exactly what's the best advice you've been given along the way <sighs> i think ask for help i think that i think that is is probably especially when i mean we're five probably type a driven you? <laughs> the five of us have very strong opinions um and and there is a certain level of you know drive that comes with it like we can do this we're gonna get this done mm-hmm. we're gonna just do it and then there's moments where you're like you know what there's only five of us we need help and being okay to accept that help and ask for that help and know that you don't know everything you know there's certain things that a hundred percent i think we can we confidently say we're experts in, and then there's so much to learn. We didn't start out saying, oh, we're going to have a business. That wasn't our drive, right? Our drive was there's a void and we want to fill it. And I think there's a very big difference with that um, in terms of like the path, right? So there's work that has to be done, catch up, like, oh, okay, well, you got to, you know, get a lawyer (laughs) and you've got to, you know, so there's certain business things I think that you just need help with because that's not what you're trained to do. Right. So, I mean, uh, there's things for our business that I could do in my sleep because I just know it innately when we talk about from a creative standpoint or a branding standpoint. And then there's other portions where I Google is my best friend or you ask for help. Yeah. What about um, who have been your biggest advocates in this journey, your biggest supporters? Oh, wow. I think the biggest support is definitely the community, 100%. Um, it sort of sounds to me like they're almost fanning you guys on and propelling <laughs> you. And you're like, wait, we got to keep up with this thing. No, 100%. 100%. 100%. How do they motivate and inspire you? I mean, I think it's based on, like, those moments, like where someone in the crowd hands you money, right? I think it's the moment where a little girl, our videographer um, caught her on camera and she was maybe seven, eight the most. And she just looks into the camera and she tells the camera that she's from Maine and there's not a lot of black people in Maine. This is her words, not mine. And she just never seen anything like this before. And you're just like, motivation. Um, What about on the flip side, um, have you? Had any critics along the way? Um, you know, I think we've been really fortunate to have had a significant amount of just support and celebration and accolades. We're probably we're probably our biggest critics. We probably are. I think when I think back, even if we even think of expansion, we've been talking about this for years, right? Six years in is this is the first year we did it. And I think it is because it's that voice in your head, are you ready? Are you ready? And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, you actually have to do stuff before you're ready. Um, but, you know, us wanting to really show up and keep the brand integrity and make sure the experience is the same and, you know, there's a weight that comes with that. So I think a lot of times we are we are our, our, our biggest critic. How do you stay positive and focused and not become overly critical? Mm. I know I sound like a broken record, but I think a lot of it is the feedback we get from the community, right? Just that celebration, right. that upliftment, that like, 
you know, when it's said and done, they're wanting more. Inbox right now. When are you coming to our country? Where are you coming to our place? You know, people writing in the feed. There was one girl, and I don't know how she found us from Switzerland. And she's like, I bought my ticket. Sure enough. Trace, she's Trace, coming from Switzerland. She came from Switzerland. That's amazing. And Tracy got a picture with her. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's like... That's so cool. Yeah, so I think I think that's it. And I think some of it is just like pausing too and accepting that we can't get through everything that we want to do yeah. and being okay with that and, you know, leaning on each other. I mean, we talk all day, every day, essentially, um, through WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a big connector that we use. Evolve from email. <laughs> we evolve from email. <laughs> the email threads, yeah. You know, and obviously, we, you know, um, we meet in person quite extensively. But I think, I, think, I, th- I think that's really what it is. It's just continuously figuring out how to reground yourself in what the purpose is. Hmm. And that purpose, that purpose is, is just, I don't even know how to articulate it. And I think that's what keeps us kind of going. Honestly, that's what it is. Holly, that was great. This might be the most unique story we've ever had. So after listening to the interview, at its core, Curly Girl Collective is an experiential company that connects women with brands that cater to their unique interests. So knowing that, did Melody talk at all about where she plans to take the collective next? She didn't give away any big secrets, um, but you, you know, obviously they're growing so quickly and part of what they're doing at the moment is just keeping up with demand and sort of responding to where the community is taking them. Um, but I think that's the really interesting part about Curly Girl Collective. So much of the idea has been driven by the, the women and the, and the people who are part of their organisation. And so there's sort of this symbiotic relationship between the two where there's an essence of what they're doing, but really how that evolves is, is, is is a collaborative effort between the two groups. Mm, so it isn't that the leader is making the, the choice and moving, it is the collective itself that makes the decisions and moves it forward. Yeah, and I think when we think about where ideas come from and how they're born, it's sort of an interesting perspective because so much of the conversations that we're having in this podcast are about the person who comes up with the idea and, and, and where it comes from and recognising that your idea might actually be owned by someone, someone else or something else is, mm. is kind of an interesting concept. If the, I will say something that's come up a lot in here is the willingness to share that idea or give it away and see how it comes back. So how that collective and the collaborative process bring ideas to life in new ways. Yeah, that was definitely so sort of prominent in how the conversation unraveled with us, yeah. So that makes sense. Now, how can people learn more about the Curly Girl Collective or CurlFest? You can follow Curly Girl Collective on Instagram and Facebook or visit curlfest.com to learn more. It's great. Thanks, Holly. And that does it for us this week. If you'd like to hear how other creators, founders, and inventors thought up their ideas, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to rate and review in Apple Podcasts, but more importantly, tell a friend. If you like what we're doing, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Follow Gray's social pages for more information about Gray and upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petrulis, produced by Joey Scarillo and Christina Torres. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Townhouse Studios. Additional support from David Canavan, Christina Hyde, Grace McDougall, Andy Yancho, John Bicknell, Lydia Dizon, Abigail Hofflinger, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com. <laughs>